Hey, welcome to FQ, where we talk about faith, family, and friends. I'm Jacob. And I'm George. And welcome to this week's podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. Uh, it's me and George this week, and this week we have Jarrett Lopes. Uh, go ahead, Jarrett. Hey, well, we're glad to be here with you guys. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, is this a good time to give an introduction? Yep, absolutely. <laughs> Do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah I'm a, I, I live in Portland ish, Oregon. I, I kind of, I just recently moved out to the suburb. Um, so real Portlanders would be like, dude, that's not Portland. But for the rest of the world, I live in Portland, Oregon. I'm married to my bride of a little over 10 years now. I've got three kids and, uh, I'm a pastor and, uh, I speak and write books and just try to help guys figure out what it looks like to fall in love with Jesus and then try to help their families do the same. Awesome. So speaking of the books, um, I have dead tired and loving it. Is that your most recent book? Yeah, that's the most recent book that's come out. I'm currently working on a third, but, um, yeah, that's the one that's the most recent one. Okay, great. Um, great read so far. Honestly, I, I haven't finished it. Um, Jacob and I are both fathers. Jacob has, go ahead. You can, you can tell him Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> I have three, three kids. And how many kids do you have, Jarrett? Three. three right? and, yeah. Yeah. Are they boys, girls? Uh, my oldest is a boy and then two girls. Awesome. Girls did, change, yeah. change things. <laughs> change it oh, up dude. a little bit, but I did the reverse. So I had two girls and then a boy. Okay. Nice. <laughs> So I, and I have two boys that are 20, he will be 22 and my other son is 19 and then my girls are 13 and nine. So we, we got a, we got a pretty good age gap, age gap. My wife and I have been married for, it'll be 23 years, August. Um, Yeah, it is pretty, it's pretty great. I mean, I'm not going to lie. There's there's definitely struggles and, Marriages definitely work. I mean, you guys both know that. Um, yeah. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't want. I would not want to be single now. There's no way. <laughs> <laughs> not in this day and age. I just. Yeah. Um. I. I don't. I don't understand couples that have been married twenty plus years and they go, "Yeah, we're just gonna get divorced. The kids are out of the house." <laughs> like, yeah. No. Lately, you, you put in too much thing. time. <laughs> I know. Like, where do we go from here? What do you even do? I wouldn't even know where to begin. Like, yeah, I'm with you, man. So as long as you keep up that, like, um, on your podcast with Lecrae, you said, um, I guess I'm name dropping there, but you said uh, that a lot, what you say a lot in your podcast is that marriage seems like practice all the time. Like, you're never really compared going to perfect it and you've been married for 11 11 years did you say yeah 10 and a half years yeah 10 and a half years jacob's at 10 and a half 10 and a half and mm-hmm. so i'm the, i'm the senior in the room being married for <laughs> twice that and yeah. you're right as, as far as up to you know 20 going on 23 years you know 22 and a half years um, it's, it's practice. So like, I know you said maybe couples out there that are, you know, been married 50 years and they got it figured out. I know a couple, um, that they just celebrated their 50th anniversary. Mm. And I think, uh, I think they would say the same thing. <laughs> Still practicing. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I have, I have a lot of friends, like, especially friends that are just like kind of newer married and who are saying, you know, they kind of go into that panic mode, um, which a lot of couples do. If you're listening to this and you're like brand new married or you're still fairly new in marriage world, three years, five years, two years, um, a lot of, there is kind of a panic mode where you're like, Oh geez, like, did I marry the wrong one? Like, did I, is this, should I have not married this person? Did I miss my soulmate quote unquote? And, um, I'm just like, man, it's not the, the wrong question to ask. The right question is just like, all right, where, where am I missing it? Cause it is practice. It's just, this, it's this ongoing learning and you're changing and she's changing and you're, you're both changing together and you're figuring out life. But yeah, man, it's a, it's a long journey of practicing. That's <laughs> definitely if doctors can still say they, they called it a practice. I'm going to call marriage a practice. Right? Like, <laughs> yep. Sure. Yep. Yep. <laughs> So, although for a doctor, I'm like, bro, can you just stop practicing and just like nail it? <laughs> yeah. On this one, please, on this surgery. Yeah. Just get it. This, this surgery or this <laughs> virus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can we stop practicing the coronavirus thing? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, uh, what, where, like, when did you get saved? Uh, what was your upbringing? That kind of thing. Like, how did you become yeah. a pastor and all that? Like, where'd you start? Yeah. Yeah, man, I think um, it's such a, you know, there's that's, there's like a lot of deep theological thoughts in there, but, um, yeah. you know, I I think that I'm still being saved <laughs> in many ways. <laughs> I always say, like, I'm saved, I'm being saved, and I will be saved. And, um, and you know, so in so many ways, I just feel like I'm, I'm constantly being saved. But, you know, I, God, God was really, like, cap- capturing my heart at a young age. My mom raised me as a single mom. My dad bailed when I was three and, uh, I think she, she started taking me to church when I was like eight. And I think that was more of just like desperation. Like I need some help. I, she was raising me and my three sisters by herself and just wanted some help. So she took me to church. And so I showed up and I was just fascinated from a very young age with God and the idea that there is a God out there. And I remember telling my mom, I've, I even have journals. This sounds so weird now, excuse me, especially having kids. Um, and having kids this age, but I, I used to even write down like as an eight, nine, 10 year old, like I want to be a pastor. I want to tell people about Jesus, which is just crazy to think about now. But, uh, I was just so fascinated with it. And so even in elementary school, I asked my mom, like, Hey, I think I'm going to start a church uh, at my recess. And she's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. And, uh, so I just, at recess, man, I would just literally, I would get kids together and we would sit out on the playground. And I would talk, tell them stories about Jesus. And it was, uh, you know, probably straight heresy. Like I, I didn't know anything, <laughs> but I, you know, I just wanted to tell them about Jesus and what I was learning. And that actually grew so big. So many kids started going to that, that the principal called me into his office one day and he was like, Hey, I just have to go over some ground rules about like groups and stuff. And I'm like, I was so confused. Like, what are you talking about? He's like, you have to make sure you invite everybody and you can't like, I'm like, of course everybody's invited. Um, but it, it turned into like this little, you know, movement at my elementary school. And then in middle school, same thing. I was like, man, I just want to tell my friends about Jesus. So I started, uh, I asked my mom if she would buy some pizzas. And looking back, man, my mom was like, we were poor. And, but she, she sacrificed, she bought pizzas. And once a week we would get some pizzas and, uh, and we would meet after school in a teacher's classroom. And I would just tell, talk about God and ask, answer questions for my friends about God. And that ended up growing so big. Uh, that they actually had to change the bus route and they had to uh, because kids were getting like wanted to stay afterwards. And so 
they changed the bus route after school so that kids can get home later so that they can stay and do this thing. So I've always just had this, like, I want to talk to people about Jesus and I want to figure out ways that this makes sense for them in real life because the Bible and the gospel and Jesus is so mysterious and it's hard to figure out. And so what does it look like to like, how does the Bible actually apply to us like today in our very real day-to-day situations? And that's just always been a fascination of mine and a passion of mine. And so um, as soon as I was 18, I, I had already been in leadership at the church and I got hired as a youth pastor at 18, right at 18 full time uh, for junior high students, which is just so freaky to think about um, the ways that I could have messed that up. But by God's grace, I didn't. And so I've, I've been in ministry ever since. So are you, do you, uh, I know you're a pastor. Do you have your own church now? Or are you on staff or? Yeah. So I was in church. I was on staff in the church world for 13 years uh, as a teaching pastor and discipleship pastor. And uh, I did that for 13 years and I helped plant the church and that went sideways. Um, I'll spare all the details of that, but um, the PG version is we just made better friends than co-laborers and it ended really poorly. And, um, and so that actually is what started dad tired. I was in a really crappy season of life and, and, and actually depressed and, uh, happened to be sharing my thoughts and kind of on a microphone, which is a very millennial thing to do to process publicly and on social media. <laughs> uh, and, uh, so I don't recommend that, but that's what I was doing. And, um, yeah, that's how dad tired started actually. Yeah. You, I, I know you addressed that in the dad tired and loving it book a bit. Um, that you started in your bedroom with just a, like a, a computer mic and a pair of like earbuds. Yeah. And, and now you're definitely more sophisticated than that. But, uh, that, well, I, that is I have such a, a little oh, bit better equipment. I don't know if I got any more sophisticated, but the equipment, I meant the, I, I, I only meant the equipment. No, one thing we do on the show is we probably offend someone every every show <laughs> well, intentionally or not so that was yeah. that um, we're gonna go with that that one the equipment one will oh man it's gonna suffice have to be for that. Than that to be offensive <laughs> yeah. no, okay lightly offensive <laughs> but um no so i mean that's amazing that you started this just awesome ministry um like i said when uh, before we started the show that i i heard you on radio shows and stuff I'm like man this guy is fascinating like you you had how many kids when when you started because you have three now but how many kids did you have when you started dad tired yeah but I had two and they were young they were pretty young yeah yeah so that like I would for me you know like I said I have my my oldest is 22 and my youngest is nine so I was listening to things that you were talking about and like Man, this guy has wisdom beyond his years, mm-hmm. um, and and going from that and telling Jacob about it, and he's like, he Jacobs is is great at reaching out to people and finding people, <laughs> and and when he's like, I got Jared Lopes, I'm like, that's amazing, you know, yeah. just to to know your story and know that you you were raised by a single mom and now you want to be this great dad. So how do you, besides, besides seeking after God, you know, our Heavenly Father from a, a young age, 
how do you desire to become a great dad without having a dad raise you? Yeah, dude. Uh, well, I have a friend named Jason Wilson. He's got, he, he has a book called cry like a man. And, uh, his son once asked him, dad, how do you know how to be a great dad? If your dad wasn't around and Jason told them, uh, I'm just trying to give you everything I didn't have. And that really resonated with me. Cause I'm like, that's that I just always have wanted to crush it as a dad. Cause I just, I remember dude, I would, I would be in the, the driveway and, uh, if, if I think about this too long, I'll get teary eyed. Cause I was literally just playing basketball with my son in the driveway, you know, 15 minutes ago. Um, but I remember as a kid, my son's age playing basketball in the driveway, um, by myself. And I remember thinking about imagining my dad sitting there and coaching me and teaching me how to play and how to shoot and things like that. And just as a kid, I remember thinking, man, I just, I can't wait to be a dad one day. I can't wait to give my kids what I don't have. Um, so again, that kind of even makes me emotion. I didn't tie that together until I literally just, I'm sitting in my office, I'm looking out to where I was just playing basketball with my son and, um, and just trying to be that man, trying to be for him what I didn't have growing up. And, uh, I think there's a lot of us like that who are just trying to be the kind of men that, uh, maybe are, if you had a dad that you're like, man, if I could be, I've heard guys say this, if I could be half the man my dad was, you know, I, I'd be happy. I'm just like, dude, you need to like immediately call him or text him and say, thank you. Cause it's so rare. That's just so, so rare to have a dad that was involved in your life. And that was trying to teach you for most of us. We didn't have that. Even if your dad was around, he wasn't like actually investing in you and intentionally trying to pour into your life. And, uh, and so I'm man, that like, how, I, I forgot what your original question is. Cause I got too emotional as I was thinking through, like I, you know, I'm, I'm one of those guys that will say, man, if I could be half the man that my dad is, and my mm. dad would say, I think you already are, you know, cause I am mm. a little shorter than him, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, uh, where we work, some of the, the kids here are, are, uh, they're all, all girls. Um, a lot of them are adopted and mm. I tell people that I'm, I'm half adopted. And uh, so we were going around we, um, introducing ourselves and things that the girls might not know about stuff, just getting to know each other a little bit better. Yeah. And so there's like three girls in our house that are adopted. And, and then um, my wife like, is like, well, you're half adopted. Or she goes, you're adopted. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm half adopted, you know. And they're like, well, what do you mean? So, well, my mom raised me for a while as a, as a single mom, you know, um, and her and my dad, my blood father were divorced when I was little. And, you know, it was like on my third father figure by the time I was five, because in between my mom getting divorced, she had another guy that was from what she says was a great guy and he passed away. And I kind of remember being at his funeral and then my dad came into my life when I was about five. Yeah. Yeah. I was about five years old. And, uh, so I'm telling the girls this and I look at my wife and go, why did you do this to me? Cause immediately I start tearing up yeah, because right. my dad, um, is, is not my biological father, which to me does not matter at all. Cause he's my dad. Mm -hmm. He's the one that raised me and mm -hmm. has never ever treated me less than, um, mm -hmm. And so like, I, I'm like, yeah, I have, I have a great dad. I have that. And, uh, um, 
So, <laughs> sorry. <I'm laughs> like, um, so, uh, anyway, all that being said, I do, like, I do really, like, I would call my dad and say, hey, thanks. And when I do that and I get emotional and he's like, I don't, why are you getting all emotional? I just did the best I could and I see you doing the best you can. And, uh, you know, he, he kind of teases me a little bit, but he's from the generation where men don't cry. And, um, I'm, and I'm not, and my kids know that I'm, I'm a, I'm an emotional guy and, uh, I do, uh, I do, uh, tear up sometimes or my, my eyeballs sweat. (laughs) So, but, um, so to, to, but also having that desire from very young age, I want to be a great dad someday. And, and now my kids not, they don't always feel this way, but they have said, you're a great dad. They've also said that you suck and I hate you, but (laughs) (laughs) we can check those out. Yeah. (laughs) Right. But I'm going to go with, no, I'm a great dad. You know, this, this is, that's the truth. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I know this is a tougher question for you, Jared, but uh, have you ever met your dad or is he just evaporated? Yeah, no, dude, definitely not. Yeah, no, every question is fair game, man. So I appreciate you asking that. Um, so what's interesting is Layla and I, we went through a really, really, Layla's my wife. Uh, we went through a really crappy season of our marriage. Like uh, I thought for sure we were going to end up in divorce and um, there's a whole story behind that. We can get into that, but I, um, it was right before dad tired started. And I was just, in, like I said, I was in depressed, really terrible spot. And, uh, she said some things to me that were just really a wake up call for me as a man. And I realized like, all right, I'm either going to bail on my family, like every man in our gener- in our family tree has, or I'm going to like figure this stuff out. And I didn't want to leave. I didn't want my kids to experience what I had experienced. So I decided I was going to go to counseling. Uh, like most dudes, nobody like wants to sign up for that. That sucks. Um, and I thought this was, it was going to suck, but I went to counseling kind of begrudgingly, but because I, I just really wanted to fight for my kids and I knew I had some own junk in my own, my own life that I wasn't just, I wasn't going to be able to figure out on my own. I need some kind of third party perspective that was going to help me wrestle through all this stuff. And so I went and, um, it brought up a lot of dad stuff. <clears throat> and, uh, so my dad actually came up super randomly in the middle of this really terrible season. I live in Oregon. He's down in California. He um, said, hey, I'm driving through to visit some my family, his family, and uh, who live here, who I never even really know about. And uh, so he said, I'd like to see you. And so we went out to dinner, and it was fine. Like, it was, you know, I had seen him maybe once or twice a year throughout my childhood. We, it was never, like, hard or bad, um, but it, we definitely were not close by any stretch of the imagination. And uh, so he comes up for dinner, and I happened to be in the season where I was in a really, like, crappy season of life. And I'm like asking really deep questions. And so as we're at dinner, like going into that dinner, I thought, you know what, man, I'm just going to have the balls to ask him like why he left. And my poor dad, like didn't know what he's getting into that night. <laughs> You're like, um, it's coming. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He had no idea. And so we sit down for dinner. We're in a, we're in a very nice restaurant in Portland. It's way high up in this high rise that overlooks the whole city. It's beautiful. He's with his new wife. I'm with my wife and, uh, and we're sitting there and I said, Hey dad, I, I know this is like out of the blue, but I just need to know how you left me, uh, as a kid. And I said, I, I have a son 
the same age that you left me, uh, the age that I was when you left me. And I said, I'm not like mad at you. Um, I, I love you and I've forgiven you, but I just need to know, like, why did you leave? And he just sat there and dude, my, my dad took it like a man. Like I think out of, I don't know, just, I just trust God's timing, the way that he orchestrated things. I don't know if my dad could have taken that any other day, any other year. But in that moment, my dad just took it like a man and he embraced it. He didn't dodge it. He didn't like make excuses. And he just said, it's the biggest regret of my life. And I've regretted it every single day. And, uh, and I'm sorry. And dude, of wow. course, like I just lost it. You know, I'm in this restaurant and I just start bawling and, you know, my wife's rubbing my back and my dad's just sitting there. It was such a healing moment. And honestly, I think what that did was it, I think my dad had wanted to address it for years. And he just didn't know how, like he didn't, his dad was never around and he just didn't know how he didn't have the skill set to bring that up. And so me bringing it up was almost healing for him to be able to say, I'm sorry. And since then we've actually been closer than we've ever been. Um, my dad's actually, he's, he's agreed to come on my podcast and he's going to come on and we're going to talk about it. Like his journey as a kid, not having a dad and my journey of not having him around. And, um, and, and I don't think he would say he's a Christian or he, I think he's still trying to figure that out. Um, but we're going to wrestle, we're going to talk through all that stuff too. And I think God's doing some cool stuff in his heart. So, uh, man, it's been, it's been crazy what God has done as far as like, we, we actually talk quite a bit now, uh, as a result of that conversation. That's awesome. That is yeah. to, to be able to come to a healing place in a relationship yeah. that's been strained for so long. It's just a, yep. it's amazing what God does in our lives and brings that healing. Yeah. And I'm sure that probably helped your journey out of your depression and into starting dad tired. hundred percent. I think God was right behind that for sure. Orchestrating all that. Um, and it, and it's played a huge role. And, and I always tell, I, I did an episode on this years ago on the podcast, but I tell people like you may have been in a season where you were praying for something and praying and praying and praying. And then you just gave up because you, you, either it just, it stopped feeling like what you were praying for could happen or it's just like, man, maybe I'm just, I'm moving on for it. it. It doesn't feel as important as it did in that season. And I just want to say, like, I used to pray for my dad all the time. Pray, 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 pray for our relationship. And then frankly, I was just like, I was over it. I never made a conscious decision to say I'm over it, but like my soul was just tired. It had given up subconsciously. And, uh, and I, and what the point I was trying to make on that episode and the point I would make to any man or woman who's listening, who just feels like they were in a season just praying, 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 and nothing ever come of, came of it. Like God is playing the long game and you may have forgot, but God has not forgot. And he is always about restoration and always about taking broken things and making them beautiful. So even though that side project, or it feels like maybe it was a side project that got tucked deep into the storage, um, God does not forget about broken things that need healing. And he will go back and he will redeem everything whether it's on this earth or in the new world to come or whatever, but like God is going to make all things new. And so just, don't, just take faith and hope that God has not forgotten about the things that are deep in, in your heart. Yeah, man. <laughs> I, I uh, definitely resonate with that. And just, it's, I don't know. I, I, I can't have that, that um, any kind of resolution with my blood father and, and I, and I think at, at the time that I could have, I wouldn't have, I, you know, um, cause he, yeah. he passed away and, and, uh, so there's, there's just weird stuff. You know, my dad's great and I love him and he's the one that, you know, um, 
like I said, he's never made me feel less than even, even when uh, he was at church and, and they brought up adoption and people were like, uh, they asked who, who's adopted children in here. And my mom like nudged him and was like, you did. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Who did I adopt? Mm. Wow. And she was like, you adopted George and Kyle. And you know, that's my sister, Colleen. And, uh, wow. and like, for that, to, he's like, oh, yeah, well, I, I guess I did. But he, since he met my mom and met us and they got married, like, he just, he took us on. And I know there was struggles at the beginning of their marriage just because, you know, he was a young man marrying a, a woman with two kids and just, like, yeah. took yeah. that on and had uh, had four more <laughs> four more kids. I'm the oldest of wow. six. So, wow. Um, what a gift. He sounds like a real gift. Yeah, absolutely is. Definitely, I definitely treasure him. Um, and I know my siblings do too, so. Yeah. Um, there was something I was thinking of. Uh, how old's your son, Jared? He's nine. Oh, okay, cool. I, I don't know. Yeah. Just in my head when you were talking about, hey, I'm going to talk with my dad about all that stuff. And then you were talking about how you're raised without a, a dad kind of thing and I was like it'd be kind of cool to incorporate your son in that I don't know that's just an idea yeah yeah that bounced off my head because then it could be like you have grown up with a dad how's it been so far I don't yeah. know that's just a random yeah. idea no, that's a good thought yeah I'm like nine he's a, a mature nine too yeah he's a mature <laughs> nine he could he could he freaks me out sometimes dude like his emotional intelligence is just uh sometimes he'll just come up to me out of nowhere he's like dad you're all right I'm like what do, you, what do you know? But why, how do you know that? Like, what do you, right. <laughs> you no, know? I'm not okay. But why do you know that? You know, like it would, you need to tell me something. And I, yeah, he's, he freaks me out. His emotional EQ is just like off the charts. Yeah, yeah. I love that when our kids can be in tune with us. And like, I know I've had times where I've just been down, depressed, just in, in the dirt, kicking myself around and have one of my kids just come up and it's like, daddy, I love you so much. And yeah. just give me the biggest hug, and it's like, man, that that so rejuvenated me. It does, you know, it didn't fix everything, but yeah. just to know that I gotta be, I must be doing something right to to have this kid show me that love, you know, in such yeah. a, a a moment when I'm down. Yep. So. Yep. Huge. Yeah. So sorry, it was just a random thought. I was like, oh man, that'd be. A generational podcast. Yeah, that's what it's called. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I marked this in your in your book. Um, when you, you're talking, you were talking about how, like we we tend to, um, just as humans, especially in the states, you know, you were talking about Kenya and and Serbia, and when you've done mission trips there. And I was blessed enough to go on a missions trip to Kenya a few years back and talk about some of the most joyful, loving people that love God and work hard and and yeah. and are living in these little huts that were like, oh my gosh, how many kids do you have? Five. Yeah. How many rooms are in that hut? Well, two. And and this is big. And and we just added on a kitchen. I'm like, oh great, where's your kitchen? And it's another hut with just a a, a brick fireplace in it, you know, and a hole in the yeah. roof to, cause they're cooking with fire. And I'm like, man, 
we are spoiled brats, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, but uh, we're trying to find the what page it was on when you were talking about um, our kids, talking about kids, and um, we want them to be the, the smartest kids in their classes, most talented kids on their teams, or the cutest kids in the, the, in the photos. Um, and you say, bro, we're running toward the wrong end zone. If we're not tackled quickly, I'm afraid – We'll find ourselves at the ends of our lives having raised children who are morally pure but spiritually drained. We have raised kids who know how to behave well yet still long for something more, more to satisfy, our soul, satisfy their souls. Our children don't need health, wealth, and happiness. They need Jesus. As Christians, our goal isn't to raise the smartest, most successful, or most moral children. Our goal is to raise is to raise disciples of Jesus who are madly in love with him. Um, and then a little bit while later, you say a successful career won't last forever. A large retirement fund won't last forever. A first place trophy won't last forever. Salvation in Jesus lasts forever. It's the only goal our hearts should long for. And I, and to me, that's, that's the goal that we need to be setting for our children. And um, and sometimes we are just dad tired, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like you say, like, I, I love that play on words that you have there with the, um, with the title. Sometimes it's just, am I really showing how much I love Jesus or am I showing how much I love to sit on the couch and watch TV or just do nothing just because at the end of the day, I'm tired, you know, and um, with the job that Jacob and I do, we're, we've got 10 other kids that we're trying to build into their lives. And sometimes I'm like, man, am I, am I still building enough into my own kids' lives? Are my, are my daughter's? getting enough of me. Um, And sometimes I don't think they actually, sometimes I know they're not, you know, and I just want to scoop them up and hug them and they're with us. They're in the house with us. They're living life with us. And it's, it's not the same as just having dad time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the, I think every dad, especially if you're a dad who says, you know, I love Jesus and I, I claim to follow Jesus. I think all of us have to ask what's, what, what is the goal here? Like what, what's the goal for us as dads? What are we actually trying to get after? What does success look like? And, uh, if you, if you don't know, if you, if you're not very clear about what the, the goal is, then you just kind of wander and you just kind of hope what, what you default to is I, well, I hope my kids turn out to be good kids. And I, I just want them to be good kids and maybe successful. Hopefully they get a good job. And uh, I, I guess one of the first things I'd ask you is like, all right, you probably consider yourself a good person. If, you, if that, you know, you, you think you're good and you, maybe you have a job and that pays the bills. Like, is that satisfying? Is, is that, has that hit every longing of your soul? Is that like the deepest part of you being fulfilled by being good and having a good job? And probably not, right? Like they're, they're, many, many guys who would consider themselves good, who have good jobs and, uh, and yet they don't feel like it. They're the deepest parts of their soul have been fulfilled. And they're because of that, they're probably looking for adventure in all kinds of terrible places, maybe 
addictions or uh, pornography or affairs or even simple things like fantasy football or hobbies or whatever. Like we're just kind of looking for things. Um, and the root of all of that is because you're just not being fully satisfied in Jesus. Every one of us experienced that, by the way, that's me yep. and everyone else, mm-hmm. uh, all of us experienced that. And so, um, and so when you say, well, my goal is for my kids to just be happy and to be successful and to be good, moral people will do, you're not really setting them up for success. Cause you know that you, you even know, and probably would admit to yourself, that's actually not best. And so what I want for my, my kids is that they would know a deep, satisfaction in Jesus, that they would, that they would realize there's nothing in this world that will fulfill my soul deeper than Jesus can. And so it's not a good job. It's not being the smartest kid in my class. It's not being the best kid on my, my soccer team or football team or baseball team or whatever. It's not getting the trophies or having the coolest toys. Like none of that. I want them to learn now. None of that will satisfy me. And the thing that I'm really longing for is Jesus. I say this all the time. Sometimes we'll be at Walmart. Uh, we used to live right across the street from a wall or right down the street from Walmart. We'd go over there quite a bit. And uh, my kids would walk through the, the aisles. And of course, without fail, every time, like, Daddy, can I get this toy? Daddy, can I get this toy? And I'd say, I'd always ask them, I was like, do you, do you think that that toy will satisfy your soul? And they would, without fail, say, yes. Yeah, I do think it would. <laughs> and I, and I would say, and I would say, well, then how come last, the last toy didn't, if the last toy was the one that was the, if you just had that, you would be ultimately happy. How come you're not ultimately happy? How come your soul is longing for something else? And I would just remind them, like, I want them to learn at a very young age. You were always hoping for something to give our heart satisfaction outside of Jesus. Daddy does it. Mommy does it. Every single person does it. And I'm trying to point you right now to know that Jesus is the only one who's actually going to satisfy your soul. And so again, to like come full circle here, I think all of us as dads have to get back to the place where we realize what am I actually trying to give for my kids? And most of us would say, I want best for my kids. Uh, And so if you want best, then do you believe that Jesus is best? Like, do you believe that Jesus is best for your kids or have you fallen into the trap that money or success or good education or sports teams or whatever is best. And it's just simply not like, and you know it deep down, you know, it's not best because your soul's not satisfied. So uh, that would be my challenge to the dads is like, man, if you want best for your kids, give them Jesus and nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So on a, on a side note about like what you do, how, how has this virus and everything, like, are you still traveling right now? Or are you just, stuck in Oregon or what's going on? Cause I don't know in Utah, it's kind of going up a little bit, but I mean, we're still able to do a lot of stuff that when it first started, we couldn't do. Yeah. I went to yeah. a waterfall today. Yeah. That's awesome. We got a lot of waterfalls in Portland and Oregon too. Uh, so we're fortunate enough to at least get outside. It's pretty, it's really pretty outside. Our summers are nuts, man. We get like 73 to 83 all summer. It's just beautiful and perfect weather and um, beautiful outside. But uh, yeah, I was traveling almost every single week um, pre COVID speaking and doing conferences and things like that. And I haven't um, since late February or the first week of March, I think was the last time I spoke anywhere and all my speaking engagements have been canceled for the year. Um, I've got, I, I think six scheduled uh, in Canada this fall, and they say that they are hoping that those will still happen. But uh, I anticipate that those those will probably be canceled as well. I can't imagine that things are going to turn so quickly that they're going to allow hundreds of people to gather together in rooms again anytime too soon. Yeah, the only 
Well, well, I think it depends that. on the election, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I won't, uh, I won't get into any of that. I'll let that be for a different podcast. No, uh, yeah, like I definitely, it's weird to just watch around the world. Like, um, so like George said, we have like youth. And so um, living our lives, even to show our kids Jesus uh, is even what we do with our job because it's kind of like private school, public school kind of thing where, hey, uh, you can't talk about Jesus. Like that's a no-go kind of thing. And so living our lives that way and uh, even showing like you said, pointing our kids especially to to Jesus when when nothing else is going to fill that. But like with what we do, we see that all the time where it's like, like, well, I just n- never feel happy. There's nothing, I, yeah. and I mean, some of the 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 youth we're with are way better off than I mean, like us right here. They're like ten times better off than what we are, and so mm-hmm. I'm like, how how can you? have all that and then you go back to well it's because you you're you're missing jesus in this whole thing like that's why there's that huge open open hole and that gap and so you're throwing um, all all the wrong things in there and you're not going to be satisfied you know without having christ and um and like it's kind of frustrating for me I, i i don't know um with this job is is yeah, we do live our lives following Christ as much as we can, and a lot of the students know that we're Christ followers, um, even though we can't say that. We can say some stuff if they if they ask us we direct questions. We could yeah. like I've had kids ask me if I if I'm a Christian, and um, and I just say yes. I'm not going to say no just because of my job. And if I get feedback on that, then so be it. But um, yeah, I but we can't proselytize we can't you know we can offer them to go to church if that's something that they've done um at home but it's kind of weird like i can't tell Mm -hmm. them you know you need jesus and some of them will say stuff like that they'll say oh you need jesus but they're saying it in such a joking manner that it's just like they don't really understand the need for Jesus, right. <laughs> you know, right. and I wish they no, did. No, but. no idea the power behind right. their yeah. word. <laughs> so uh, the truth behind those words. Yeah. So for some of our listeners, like with that story that you kind of left out with you and Lila, is that how you say her name? Layla. Layla. Okay. I saw it and I was like, I don't know if it's Layla. All right. Layla. Okay. Yeah. Um, sorry. Um, and so, uh, I mean, <laughs> so, with that, when you guys were having your struggles, I think this is probably, I don't know, I'm just feeling like this is a route we should go, is what'd you do? Because, I mean, I know, like, I've had struggles, and me and you are about the same years of being married and stuff, but what did yeah. you do when, it, besides talking to your dad, like, and getting counseling, like, how did you and her reconnect and mend that? Because I think... A lot of times, even on Dad Tired, it's like that people think, well, I'm too far now. Uh, it's, yeah. it's too far gone, and this is too yeah. too much, so I can't come back. Yeah. Or or maybe it's pride. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I, I not to, like, over-spiritualize it, but I do think that God was just being gracious and protecting us. Um, I, I had mentally checked out. Like, I was, you know, in my mind, I'm like, we're, I'm out of here. Uh, we're, this is headed for divorce. 
And, um, we were in the middle of a fight one time we were in the middle of a big fight and my wife got tears in her eyes and, uh, and in my immaturity, I'm like, Oh, I'm winning the fight. Like this is me winning. (laughs) Uh, and I had just said something to hurt, hurt her and she had got tears in her eyes and I'm like, uh, and so I was sitting there and she said, she looked at me and she said, Jared, I just want you to know that I've been waking up. I set my alarm to go off at two in the morning, every morning. And I wake up and I go into the living room and I just pray that God would capture your heart again. And, uh, I, I, dude, I always say like, I would have rather she cussed me out. I could have much handled, handled that much better. Yeah. You know, yeah. I was ready to fight. But uh, what do you do to that? Like you can't really slam the door. You can't like, you know, stomp off when your wife tells you she's been waking up at 2 a.m. to pray for you and pray for your heart. And so, um, that was really a wake up call for me. I was like, man, what am I doing? Like I am sucking as a husband and dad and I don't want to. I want to figure this out. And so practically one of the things that I was purposely doing is I was isolating myself. Like I didn't want to be around Christians. I didn't want to be around anybody, frankly. Um, like sin, I was just living in sin and like I was far from God and I just didn't want to be around anybody. And I especially didn't want to be around Christians. And so when God started to really soften my heart and make me realize like, man, I, this is not the path that I want to live and go down. Then uh, I realized like, all right, I need to be around people again. And so I told my wife, like, okay, I want to have a hundred people in our home over the next year for dinner. And she's way more practical than me and she's way smarter than me. So she's like ran the math and she's like, that's, what are you talking about? That's insane. (laughs) Like we can't have that many people (laughs) practically. Like, and I'm like, whatever, like, let's just have a ton of people in our house over the next year. And, uh, I like to set lofty goals. And, uh, and so she actually very shortly after that bought me a Polaroid camera and it, with that camera, what we would do is we would have people over for dinner. And we, my goal was just like, I wanted to hear stories. I wanted to hear how God was working in people. I wanted to have opportunity to share where we were at and our struggles. And I just wanted to like stop hiding. I wanted to get out from hiding. And, uh, and as a result, man, God just started like, I had a friend one time, I'm going to just a little bit of a tangent here, but You're good. I had a friend one time tell me, uh, you know, if you, if you go camping and you have a fire going and you, and all the logs in the fire are on fire and you take one of those logs off and you throw it to the side. He asked me what would happen. And I said, well, the log would go out. It, it would stop being on fire eventually. And he said, right. And what happens if you take the log and you throw it back in the fire? And I said, well, it would probably catch on fire again. And he said, right. Like you don't over spiritualize it. Like if you, if you feel far from God, you probably are just removed from the fire. Really like just really practical stuff. Like do you have any friends that love Jesus? Do you have any people around you that love Jesus that are pointing you to Christ? Are you in God's word daily? You're just out of the fire. Don't over spiritualize it. Say, what kind of log am I? Am I a defective log? Like you're just a log <laughs> out of the fire. Don't right. like go all weird about it. Just jump back into the fire and you're probably going to catch back on fire again. And so that was me. I was just like, I just need to get back into the fire. And the fire was just people. It was God's word. It was going back to church and it was just getting around God's people again and just be like, all right, man, uh, I need to hear other stories and hear what God's doing. And that was really a slow, it wasn't like this, you know, overnight thing where Layla and I just had this amazing marriage again. It was, it was months, if not years of healing, but it, it was initiated by me saying, uh, I'm going to figure this stuff out and kind of own my own stuff here. Awesome. I think that's probably one of the hardest things is owning your own stuff as, as a man or your, yeah. your insufficiencies and stuff. And, uh, I can't remember what guest you had. He's talking about money. They have him and his wife. have some talent. McNeely is his name. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I, I, I love that, that he was like, but it's so true. Like 
most men are like, hey, uh, I don't want to look like I don't know what I'm doing. And it, yep. it's true. It's kind of set in our culture and, and stuff like that. And, like, I know I feel it a lot of times where you're like, well, I, I can't feel inferior to this kind of right. thing. Right. We don't want to, you know, feel like a loser or whatever and, and or be called out even by our uh, – our brothers in Christ. I know that I know my uh, younger years of walking with Christ and I was riding the fence real hard. I had some, my, my, uh, one of my good Christian brothers. Um, he's like, what do you think you're doing? And mm. he's like, you, you keep following. Um, you keep going back to your vomit is what he said. And he's like, mm. um, do I just need to kick your ass? And so I don't know if you think you might want to don't just, that's exactly what he said. And this is my good Christian brother. And that's exactly what he said. But it, but it was like, I like this guy. I mean, you know, he was like, he was like, I was like, I think you just did. You know, I really needed to hear that. Like I, yeah, I'm screwing up. I'm sucking and I'm isolating, which men do so easily. You know, yeah. we want to go to our man cave because, well, I just need my man time, um, yeah. which isn't which is true. But we should be spending that man cave time seeking God. Um, and I, and I yeah. know when yeah. I do that, when I get in that that place where I'm just it's me and God, and I'm spending time in the Word and maybe taking some notes or just crying out that's when I'm doing my best and that's when my family is going to be doing better because I'm doing better. Um, you know, and I've, I've also struggled with, uh, trying to have that time getting up early in the morning and doing that before anybody is up and then having one of my kids wake up and they just want to sit in my lap and like, well, can you just read me, read me whatever you're reading? And then that mm. just breaks my heart. I'm like, yeah, I'm, yeah. but I'm reading through the Bible in the year and I'm in Deuteronomy right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you know, she would fall back to Genesis sleep. Two. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Keep powering through. Yeah. So when you were, you and your wife were reconnecting, re, re burning that log uh, yourself, um, how, like, so a practical way, like, where did you start in the Bible? Like, because I feel like that's probably usually the, one of the biggest things is I'm not, I'm not trying to build a relationship with God. And, and so, and, or like, where do you, where would you start if you were somebody who was trying to rebuild your family and stuff? Obviously you've already mentioned like, Hey, you should probably get counseling if, if that's something that you should do, which I think we talked to somebody last week who was talking about, I think everybody should at least do a check-in a month kind of thing, especially yeah. with yeah. with the jobs we do and mm-hmm. including you do, traveling around and all that stuff. And people probably mm-hmm. throw a lot of their, their baggage on you, and you may not think you're holding all the stones, but we're always kind of picking up stones in our bag, and we need to put that bag yeah. in a safe place and not to yeah. unproductive things or seclusion like you said yeah yeah i mean i think if somebody's brand new to the bible start in one of the gospels matthew mark luke or john and just like get to know jesus like what was jesus like uh, everyone's going to tell you what he was like and you, and you may have ideas of what you think jesus was like but just read 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John and see what he's like. I just try to filter out if this was the very first time I was ever reading the Bible and I knew nothing about this guy named Jesus and I just had to start right here. What, what would I figure, what, what, what conclusions would I make about him? So that would be my first suggestion. If you've read through those Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're, you're kind of familiar with scriptures. I would just start at the beginning of the Bible, like Genesis, and just start going through. Find the, the Bible app has really good um, uh, Bible in a year plans. That mm-hmm. one of my favorites is the Bible Project. They're good friends of mine, and they uh, they put together a Bible in a year plan. It's fantastic. It's got videos that go with each book of the Bible. It's really really good. And uh, and so go through that, and then and now just ask yourself like, what is God's reputation? Again, I have preconceived ideas of who I think God is. Oftentimes our idea of God looks a lot like us. Um, he starts to look and sound and, and act like us. And so I just try to remove that Think like, all right, uh, what is God actually like? What's his reputation? And, and what you're going to find is if I can like kind of spoil the story for you, um, <laughs> uh, God is incredibly gracious. Um, the Bible should be one page long. Like God should have on the very first page said, you know what? Oh gosh, uh, I'm out. Like <laughs> I told you how things were going to work best and you decided to turn against me. I'm out. I'm going to go start a new earth somewhere else. And yet God doesn't. God continues to forgive and continues to pursue. And the reason the Bible is not one page long, but it's thousands of pages long is because God doesn't give up on his people. And, uh, and so I, I would just say like, look for that reputation. Watch how many times God should have bailed on the story. And yet God doesn't bail. And then as that starts to sink in deeply, like that truth, that this is who the God of the Bible is. This is his reputation. That's the kind of motivation that you will take into your marriage. I don't bail on my wife because God didn't bail on me. My wife doesn't bail on me because God didn't bail on her. I don't bail on my kids because God didn't bail on me and my mess. Like that is gospel motivation. That is the thing that keeps us going back to our family, even when things are hard, because we know God didn't leave us when things are hard. And this is the reputation of the God that we serve. So that's where I would start. It's just like get to know God's reputation, whether that's in the, the beginning of the Bible or just, you know, Jesus's reputation in the, in the gospels. Yeah. I would, I would definitely agree with that too. And how are you talking about the being, it being a log out of the fire and back into the fire. And um, I don't know. I, I think my wife and I have been kind of going through that where we are a little out of the fire um, we moved here from Chicago, suburbs of Chicago, and we're getting involved in a church there. And but we're just like about to like, like been in, in in like been going to one church for a long time, and just felt the Lord leading us out of there. And then we got connected into another church, and um, we're really kind of like this is where the Lord has us. And then. Then, and then this opportunity for us to move here and be family teachers and just something that we've always talked about doing um, and haven't been, besides having um, Jacob and his wife, fellow believers here, it's been really hard to connect. I had some friends come visit us, and it was just um, so great to have them because they've been in our lives since before we were married and mm. really been good good Christ followers and building us up in our lives and having them come visit. It was just so, so refreshing and just having those just like little sparks. It's like, man, that's, I long for that. I long to be with, with other believers. And it's been, it's been kind of hard, you know, it's kind of hard when you're the only one there to, to spur one another on is, 
is each other. And my wife mm-hmm. and I do try and do that, you know, and, um, but sometimes it's just like, it's just, it gets, it's, it's tiring. It's frustrating to sure. be the, be the ones. And, you know, there's something about the community and the fellowship of believers that is necessary for us to get, mm-hmm. you know, get rekindled. Um, and so, uh, so I definitely see what you're saying there. And I'm kind of in that, that season a little bit right now of feeling like I'm out of the, a log out of the fire and want to get flamed yeah. back up. Um, so how do you, like, how would you suggest to young marrieds um, to keep that going? I know one of the things that my wife and I have done and said to young couples is, um, Divorce is never an option. Don't even bring it up. And I think yeah. that's been a, a key thing in our communication and our relationship is that it's just not an option. So being that that is never going to be on the table, then we have to work on it. And what are we going to do? You know, right. when, when we're going through the tough times, when it might not even be we're, <laughs> we're struggling with each other. We're just struggling with life in general and trying yeah. to hold each other up, you know. What would you say to that? Like when you were in that place, how did you? Yeah. Go ahead. Finish the question. How how did you understand? So when you were in that place and I, and I think um, Jacob was kind of going, going there too. What did you guys do together to really re rekindle that? Like relationship relationship, you know, to keep the, to keep the, to keep it burning between like if, cause you said you were looking at just giving it all up, you know, yeah. and then kind of having that slap in the face of your wife, just going, I've been praying for you. I've been getting up purposely praying for you. And I, to me, I know that would sting like, yeah, you're, I have been screwing up. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, so the, I think for a lot of guys and I've walked through a lot of uh, guys who are struggling in their marriage. I've walked with a lot of couples who have struggled in their marriage who are struggling currently in their marriage. I'm walking through seasons of life with these couples. And I think generally speaking, it's, I'm I'm never going to speak for all guys and for all women, but generally speaking, um, it seems like when there's some kind of moments of crisis or hard times, hard seasons, uh, and especially if, if a husband has broken trust in any way, um, or has let down his wife in any way, um, and then decides that he's going to make a commitment to say, okay, I'm in this. I want to pour into our marriage. I want to figure this out. A lot of guys, um, that decision was hard for them. And they think, okay, I'm, I'm in it. Like I'm, I'm, I've made the decision. I'm committed to you and I'm going to work on this. And we really kind of want to be patted on the back. Like, you know, like, okay, I, I told you I'm here. I'm sticking around. I didn't leave. I'm with you. And so if, a, if our wives bring up kind of anything from the past, we get immediately frustrated. <laughs> like, well, what are you talking about? Like, why are you mad at that? Or why are you, why are you bringing up the fight from last week when I already told you I'm ready to work on it or I'm ready to figure it out? And I think it just one of the, the most practical things I could say for guys is like part of the healing process is to give your wife the space to grieve in the way and the time that she needs to grieve that broken part of the relationship. Uh, in order for it to heal well. And for us as guys, generally speaking, we're fixers. 
Like I want to fix it and I'm ready to move on. Let's go on to the next thing. Like, why are we talking about broken things again when I told you I'm ready to fix it? And I think, man, part of a wife's healing journey is to just like, someday she's going to be like, okay, I'm in it with you. I'm going to, I'm, I'm trusting you and we can move forward. And maybe the next hour she's like, actually, you're kind of a scumbag. Like I remember <laughs> a week ago you were a scumbag and like, I don't know if I'm ready to like be in this. And, and for a lot of guys, it's like, all right, fine. Then I'm just over it. You know, and it's just like, man, no, but what it means to love my wife and to lay down my life for her is even though I don't want to step backwards or what feels like stepping backwards is me actually being patient enough with her to hold her hand and even go with her backwards and say, I know, like, what were you feeling? I know I hurt you deeply. I know something I said hurt you deeply. I know something I did hurt you deeply. Like, what did that make you feel? Is there something in there still that I haven't learned that you think I can learn from that? Like asking good questions that reveal your heart, that show her you're willing to like keep working through this. Um, that is going to speed up the healing process as opposed to just like uh, telling her, well, get over it. Cause I told you I've got over it. I'm ready to move forward. Uh, that doesn't usually work well. No. And I think as guys, we kind of do that, you know, being fixers, like we don't, we, yeah, we, we made the damage, you know, we damaged the thing, but now we're like, well, I'm done with it being damaged. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it, that was definitely <laughs> one of those, uh, the, the last guest we had on, he does TikToks and it's uh, marriage tips and they're not good marriage tips. They're, they're bad ones. And with what you said, you just being like, you need to get over it because I'm over it. As well, that's a great <laughs> marriage tip that you shouldn't take. <laughs> right. Yeah, totally. But totally. I, and, and for guys, we're, we, we are masters at compartmentalization. Mm-hmm. I can put things in a tub, in a category and store it away. And it won't touch any other part of my life. And a woman's brain typically does not work like that. Like uh, there's a, a saying that says men's brain are waffles and women's brain are spaghetti. You know, men's brain yeah. has, cate- we have categories uh, like a waffle does, little squares and compartments. And a woman's brain is just everything touches everything. You said something today that triggered a feeling that she had six months ago or years ago. And that's touching the thing that she, the hardship that she had with work or her girlfriend or like all of it's intertwined. And so um, just recognizing like the, her journey is going to be different. And again, the, the point of mar- this is probably actually the biggest point that I could probably make on this show with, with you guys. Uh, the, if your goal in marriage is that your wife, this woman is going to make you happy, or maybe for the wife that your husband is going to make you happy. I'm just going to tell you, he or she is going to fail you. They are not God. They suck at being God. My wife is amazing, but she is not a good God. And I am an even worse God. And so if my hope (laughs) is that she'll make me happy, well, the moment she gets mad or the moment she's not kind of just going along with whatever I want to go along with, well, now I'm pissed. And it's like, well, why are we even doing this? You're not even making me happy. Those are subconscious thoughts that we all feel. But as Christians, if you look at your wife and you think, this woman is here to help me become more like Christ. Well, then when I get in a situation where it's like, this is hard, this is frustrating. I'm actually thankful. I'm like, Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you've given a woman that is exposing things in me that are broken, that still need healing and restoration. And so it's just a perspective shift that every person needs to take in marriage or frankly, your marriage isn't just going to last because if happiness is the goal, uh, you're, you're going to be disappointed really, really quickly. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny that you said that, you know, our wives are there to help us. And, and I definitely agree with that, you know, because yep. guys, we're just stupid. Like, like you know, sure. we, you know, we, 
we uh we had fireworks here last week for Fourth of July. <laughs> so the three of uh, the the three guys that were shooting off these fireworks, <laughs> the fireworks when they went off, something weird happened where it went into. Every direction of where our our houses were, were sitting. So I'm gonna say this, <laughs> interrupt you for this moment. He totally. I am like 95 percent sure it wasn't George or me. The other person lighting him. <laughs> I'm a hundred percent. He put it sideways and lit it because he went to do it with another oh, right, one. He did. And I go, man, that that needs to point up. And he goes, well, the the <laughs> the, the fuses the fuses on the side. I go. Yeah, but it says pointed up because that has artillery oh shells. So I think oh my God. that's what happened with this one. Go ahead, continue. But it did like so. That's, so, the, that's the wrong kind of fire. When I when we're talking about getting a fire with people, like that's right. not the fire. It is. It is not like it whizzed past. Like there was a shell that whizzed past my head, landed like oh pretty God. much in my daughter's lap. One whizzed oh past Jacob's head, landed like kind of right by his. What is what is he's he nine, nine months, months nine month old son, and oh, the other guy it hit his like I think it hit his wife you know <laughs> so oh, like my gosh. and but my wife will say stuff like you know God put me here to help you and, <laughs> and I'm like yeah I know but I don't want that <laughs> help right now <laughs> which yeah. is also Way not the right thing to say don't do that one don't do that yeah. one. But I, but I, I do like, I appreciate my wife and I, I know, um, I love you, Amory. She listens sometimes <laughs> <laughs> and I know that there our wives are there to help us. Um, yeah. and I do appreciate it except for when I don't. <laughs> sure. you know? So, well, uh, you know, the, the Bible says that, uh, we, to, to lay down your cross every day to, or to, to pick up your cross every day, to lay down your life every day, to die. And the, the point of, you know, truthful, just dying sucks. Like dying, dying really sucks. Like, like all jokes aside to lay down my life for my yeah. wife, which means practically to, to prefer her over me. Your preferences are, are bigger than mine. And so mm-hmm. I'm going to lay down my life for you. That sucks. We are naturally sinful and selfish. Uh, and so, yeah, yeah. I love the way you say that. I love doing it, uh, except when I don't, you know, <laughs> it sucks to die. There's yep. a reason that's the word that they chose. And it really is. Yep. And I, I think, like you said, our men's brains are, we compartmentalize things, which we do. Um, but I know I know how my brain works, and sometimes there's something that I have in those compartments. I'm like, wait a minute. I've got something for this situation. She did this to piss me off last week. She wants to pull out hers. I'm pulling out mine. Yeah, you dig deep into that market. Right. Yeah. And that's yeah. not the right. Like, it should be, like, those things should just be put in that compartment, put away, and, you know, not, you know, like, um, who was, I can't remember which Christian author said sex begins in the kitchen, you know, and talking about washing the dishes. Like, I think that was Brian McKnight. Maybe, maybe it was. I think so. That's a joke. Yeah. That's a joke. Brian oh, McKnight. Just kidding. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know. Like, I, I think it might have been. I think it might have been Josh. Mc, I think it might have been Josh McDowell actually, or Gary okay. Chapman. Five love languages. I think he probably said that. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but anyway. Josh McKnight. <laughs> but anyway, um, 
we do we compartmentalize something so much to where our wife could have said something that really you know made us mad in the morning or whatever but that night we're feeling some kind of way and we're like well i'm not mad about that anymore but we also <laughs> said something <laughs> to make her mad in the morning she's still mad right, sure. <laughs> but you're like hey i put that in that box i'm, I'm looking yep. in a different box right now <laughs> yeah yeah, it's amazing how many guys can uh, quickly compartmentalize and forget all kinds of grievances when the bedtime comes. Right. Uh, but yeah, our, our wives don't uh, typically have that same so, gift. Um, is there anything, like, because we always want to follow the Holy Spirit and all that, is there anything that you, like, feel in your heart that you you need to say or, or want to say? Because that's always something we want to make sure to always leave that open on our podcast. Yeah, I appreciate so. that, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, the thing I talk a lot, you know, I, we talk to dads and we talk to husbands, but, um, I use all of that, like parenting stuff, marriage stuff really as like a, as just a secret, um, ploy to talk about the gospel and the gospel, man. I just think there are a lot of us guys who didn't have dads around teaching us this stuff. And, uh, and so we, you know, we, we, we don't know what to do. We're ignorant, uh, when it comes to to loving Jesus well and helping our families do the same. But I think there are even more guys um, who actually fall into a second category. And the second category is that they actually feel deep shame. And um, I, I think that, that most guys don't lead their family well, aren't falling closer in love with Jesus because they're just like, man, I've got way too much sin and too much junk uh, either in my sin or in my, my past and my present. Um, and I just, how in the world could I lead? my family towards a God that I feel far from. And, uh, and so I would just say to like any person listening, but especially to any man, like, dude, if that's you, if you're feeling like you're not stepping into this cause you just personally feel far from God because of your own sin. And you just feel like I wouldn't really want to be around you. Uh, I just want to remind you like, dude, you're, you're not actually believing in the God of the Bible. You've made up a God in your head. Um, and you're, you're actually worshiping and you're following and you're believing in a God that is not the God of the Bible. And the God of the Bible is one who has a reputation, like I said, from the very first pages of scripture to the very last pages of scripture, where he's actually in the middle of broken and messy people. And then he uses them for his glory. And so uh, God is not afraid of your mess. On the worst day of human history, when all of creation started to fall apart because of sin, God was taking a walk in the garden. He wasn't freaking out. He wasn't throwing a fit. He wasn't caught off guard. God was taking a walk and he was looking for his people. And so he can handle your worst day and he can handle your worst sin and he can handle whatever you're going through um, because that's, that's the reputation of the God of the Bible. And so my suggestion and my challenge to any man listening, especially would be come out from hiding uh, and actually face the God of the Bible, not the God that you've made up in your head because the God of the Bible is one who actually has a lot of kindness and grace for you. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. I love that. Yeah, I do. Um, uh, one other thing we always want to do on our podcast, just for you, is uh, we know, I don't know if you really want to talk about it, but you have a new book, and then also you have Dad Tired, which is an awesome book. Um, I bought it. I'm about halfway through. Um, mm-hmm. And then I, d- I, don't, I didn't know you had another book, but you had a first book, um, and you do podcasts as a Dad Tired podcast. Uh, I, I just want you to plug whatever you want so the listeners oh, we do man. have can totally yeah, we'll, check you out yeah and we'll thanks, put man. links and stuff 
obviously. Yeah. In the thing. yeah. Well, you just plugged everything, man. So there's really no need for me <laughs> to plug all that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, think if there's any guy who kind of resonates with the whole idea of being dad tired and just wants more community and another guys who can help point him towards that direction. Uh, we'd love to have him in the dad tired family. It's, uh, I think the easiest way to do that is just go to dadtired.com and all the stuff's there. But yeah, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to share about it. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. We've really enjoyed this. It's been, it's been fun. This is something that's been a passion of ours. Like that's been burning in our hearts until we actually did it. And now that we've been doing it for a good, is it six months now? Yeah. Yeah. It's, we want to just keep doing it and get better Mm -hmm. at it. Um, the other thing that we like to do is uh, before, oh, wait, okay, before he sorry. gets that, uh, one thing I wanted to say is I want to thank you, Jared, just for being on, on our podcast. So we really appreciate it. Um, I mean, you didn't have to, we're, <laughs> we're not anybody huge or anything or didn't give you any info either. Really like of a huge, like, Hey, this is what we do. <laughs> and you, <laughs> you actually did it. And I was like, oh, that's super awesome of you. And we're really thankful for you being on our podcast, giving us an opportunity to, to talk to you um, and, and uh, hear your heart on some things and just get some knowledge from you because you know more than we do about this kind of thing. But um, we really appreciate yeah, you being on and all that. And so, we yeah, really man, well, you. I just, yeah, of course, man, you're welcome. I, you know, I, I started just five years ago in the podcasting world and a single person, uh, there wasn't a single person out there who really knew who I was or dad's hired or anything like that. And I remember reaching out to people and just hearing crickets and, nobody would respond. And I remember just being discouraged. And I just remember thinking, man, I never want to do that. Like if anyone is uh, willing to let me share what God's done in my life, I want to share. And I don't care if there's one person who listens to that or 10 million people. So I'm just a normal dude like that trying to, I'm broken and I'm trying to figure out my own sin and my own like brokenness that God's still trying to heal. So uh, the fact that I can hang out with some brothers and talk about Jesus, it's a, it really is an honor. I don't say that lightly. Yeah. Thank you. And and the second thing that as I, the real like the biggest thing is you're the reason that we actually that put the fire under me to actually start this whole thing because George told me about you and then I was like I listened to it and I was like you know what I, I can't remember the very first podcast I think it was the one that was explicit because George was, like told me and that was like the right when I the very first one I listened to was explicit because you guys were talking about sex and marriage and stuff like that. And I was like, and like pornography and struggles like that. And I was like, man, this is really good. And I was like, he's telling a story and telling the story and helping other guys get this. And I was like, well, that's what I want to do. That's what's been on my heart for years. And like that just ignited that fire from then on. I listened to like all of them. (laughs) So it just went from there and that really, put the fire under me. And then that's when I told George, Hey, we just got set up and let's get this, let's get yeah, this thing going. I think it was like, we started that week. I think after we talked about that. So yeah. Thanks so, for lighting that fire awesome. too. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's awesome. We'll stick with it. You guys, most, most people have stuff that they want to share and God's put unique giftings on their heart and in ways to communicate. And so most, unfortunately too many people give up too soon. So don't give up. Keep pressing forward. Thank you. Um, so the, yeah. the last thing that we like to ask any guests that we have on um, is, is there anything that we could pray for you for? And would, and also would you mind praying 
us out of the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yes to both. Um, um, I always, whenever, whenever somebody asks us, they can pray for anything. I always just say my marriage. And, uh, I think if there's a, an Achilles heel for anyone, especially in ministry, I think God would love to take out, or I'm sorry, Satan would love to take out, uh, marriage first and kind of destroy that whole thing. And so, uh, if, if me and my wife aren't well, then really none of this makes sense or none mm-hmm. of this, uh, you know, is, is really worth it. And so, um, yeah, man, I just always appreciate and covet prayers for, for Layla and I's relationships continue to grow closer to each other and to Jesus. And, uh, yeah, so I appreciate you asking that and I'll, I'll pray for us as we close our time together. Okay. So I'll go ahead and, uh, pray for your marriage. And then if you just want to close us out, um, yeah. that'd be great. So Sweet. Lord, I lift up Jared and Layla to you and their, their three kids to you. Um, continue to strengthen their marriage, Lord. You've designed marriage. You've designed it as a, a picture of, of you, Lord. And um, we know that we have a very real enemy that would like to take out marriages, take like to take out strong Christian marriages. So we just pl- pray your hedge of protection around Jared and Layla and their children. And if their marriage is strong, their family will be strong, Lord. So just keep continue to bind them together, keep their lines of communication open, Lord, and they would have hearts that continue to search after you and listen to you, Lord, and follow your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name. Yeah, and Father, I just uh, I pray, God, I imagine that if there's somebody that has made it this far in our conversation, I can't help but think that you're probably stirring something in them. And, uh, and so Lord, for the person who's listening right now, um, God, you're, you're doing something. And, uh, and the, and the truth is that they probably know the exact nerve that you're actually hitting, uh, just by them listening to this. I know that there's somebody that's probably listening in their car or maybe with some headphones in bed or while doing some work, uh, or walking around the house or neighborhood or whatever, but God, you, you actually know that person's heart deeply and you're speaking to it right at this moment. And so God, there's just so much noise right now. There's just so much noise and things that uh, want to distract us and things that we want to turn to, to distract us. And God, I pray that in this moment right now, in just a second of quiet, that your voice would speak to them. And for some people, God, who are listening right now, God, I believe that there are people who just need to be encouraged. God, they're low. Their souls are broken and tired. Maybe their marriages are in a hard place. They feel defeated as a man or a wife, a husband, a father. And God, I just pray that you would build them up. God, that you would encourage them, that your Holy Spirit would give them hope. That the fact that they're even listening to these words right now is evidence that you are continuing to draw their heart near to you. You have not forgotten them. And would you remind them of that right now in this moment? Lord, for others, there are some who are proud, who have been hiding in their sin, and God, who feel like they maybe are untouchable. And God, I pray that by your kindness, you would just graciously humble them. God, that you would turn their hard hearts and you would remind them that you have something better for them. God, that you would pour out your mercy and your kindness on them. And as a result, it would lead to their repentance and they would fall more in love with you and away from the things that they've turned to 
that they thought would satisfy their soul that hasn't actually satisfied their soul at all. God, the reason that we're even having this conversation is because you loved us first. You chose us. We didn't pick you. We didn't run to you. You ran to us. And so God, thank you. Thank you that even in this moment, you love us and you continue to save us. We pray that you'd continue to be gracious to us, Lord, even today. It's in your name we pray, Lord. Amen. Amen. Amen.